This week on the Iowa Watch Connection. Caucasians will benefit more from diversity than you are Amsville. Imagine being a first-generation college student. My parents actually don't know much about schooling. They don't know the ropes of how to apply. They didn't know anything about how to get financial aid. Now imagine coming to a place where few people look like you. Black students have an access gap for whatever reasons, for cultural reasons, for literal resource reasons. Assessing diversity efforts in Iowa, our topic this week. The Iowa Watch Connection is presented by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, online at iowawatch.org. Here is Jeff Stein. A new report that came out during the last week of January 2018 looked at diversity at the flagship universities of all 50 states, including Iowa and the University of Iowa. Iowa ended up faring well in the report, issued by the nonprofit group called Hetchinger Report from the Teachers College of Columbia University. Iowa Watch is a Hetchinger Report news partner. Looking at enrollment figures for the years 2010 through 2015, Hetchinger Report's researchers saw that the University of Iowa's Latino student enrollment for first time degree-seeking undergraduates increased from 5% of all students in 2010 to 9% in 2015. Meanwhile, African-American undergraduate first-time degree enrollment rose from 2% of the student body in 2010 to 4% in 2015. The 2015 percentages were close to what the researchers saw in Iowa when comparing with high school graduation rates. 8% of Iowa's high school graduates in 2015 were Latino, and 5% of the high school graduates that year were African-American. The study's point was to compare college enrollment with high school graduation rates to see if the share of African-American and Latino students dropped at what Hetchinger called the flagship universities after high school. They found that more than one-third of the United States had at least a 10-point gap between the percentage of public high school graduates who are African-American and the percentage of their college flagship's freshman class who are African-American. The University of Mississippi had the largest gap, 40 percentage points. The gap was 31 percentage points for Louisiana State University, South Carolina University, and the University of Georgia, according to the report. Ten states had at least a 10-point gap for Latino students as well. And Illinois and New York had double-digit gaps for both groups. So what's the problem if University of Iowa Latino and African-American enrollments in the study were close to high school graduation rates, given the fact that other states have wide gaps not seen here in Iowa? Part of the answer could be that Latino student enrollment in fall 2017, after the Hetchinger Report study, dropped to 6.5% of total University of Iowa enrollment. And African-American enrollment? dropped to 3%. But even those percentages are close to what you see in Iowa's total population. The problem Iowa Watch learned in interviews with students and staff is that despite any efforts by university officials to make the campus more inclusive, a lot of the students still cannot escape racial and cultural differences that can hamper their studies, as well as their feeling of safety. 
Two reporters, Lauren Wade and Maria Curie, reported on this story for Iowa Watch. You'll hear them both in this report. So funny thing, like I never knew where Iowa was. I knew I have never seen the campus before. So when it came time for orientation, I hopped in the bus and came. Miguel Torres is a University of Iowa senior studying chemistry. Born in Mexico and raised in Pilsen, a Latino community on the lower west side of Chicago, Iowa's primarily white campus was a shock to him. The Asian student population in Iowa City was also novel, but Torres related to them in the struggles they face as multicultural students. But also, I was able to relate with them a lot when it came to like the language barrier with them and like getting the points across or taken seriously or like being respected in campus. The University of Iowa's enrollment of minority students is rising, according to the Hetchinger Report, which tracked data from 2010 to 2015 at flagship universities across the U.S. The Hetchinger Report is a nonprofit, independent news organization that investigates education issues. It reported that the percentage of Latino University of Iowa students rose from 5% of the student body population to 9% in that five-year time span. African-American students went from 2% to 4%. Those were the only two minority groups in the Hetchinger Report. But students Iowa Watch talked with say more can be done to make black and Latino students more welcome at the University of Iowa. For example, Iowa's Board of Regents reported that in 2016, 3.3% of the total University of Iowa staff, including professors, administration, and service positions, were Latino. 3% of the total staff were African-American. Recruiting diverse students doesn't mean anything if they're not able to be retained. Because um, mm -hmm. ultimately you're still not going to have a diverse campus if they're leaving as fast as they're coming. That was the director for the Center of Diversity and Enrichment, Nadine Petty. The center is a resource on campus for students who fall into multiple categories of underrepresented minority groups, or URMs. Caucasians will benefit more from diversity than URMs will. And so mm -hmm. for URMs, when they're walking into a space that is not so diverse, based on race anyway, based on mm -hmm. race and ethnicity, that they're, they're, if you're gonna kind of look at it as being kind of like chipped, this picture wall, so their wall would be chipped away, while for the other students, their wall gets built. Mm -hmm. And that's also a little bit challenging. So there's two sides to that coin, and both sides are very different. In her time here at the university, Petty has seen the conversation shift from recruiting a more diverse student body to keeping them here. The university is hoping to address common issues that face minority students, including access to information and financial resources. Andrew Beckett is the Associate Dean of the University College. He oversees academic support, retention, and orientation services. I'll take my son, for example. So my, my son uh, applied to UNI and the University of Iowa. He's deciding between those two schools right now. Um, as a parent, I knew that I should go ahead and apply for housing to both UNI and Iowa. There was an extra application fee involved in that um, that I certainly had the means to pay. Um, but I think I'm not sure a first-gen student would even know that applying for housing, um, you know, basically in October of their senior year of high school is an important thing to do. Beckett says the university's first-come, first-served system creates an access gap for many of these students, such as Gerardo Guerrero. Um, no, my parents actually don't know much about schooling. They didn't know the ropes of how to apply. They didn't know anything about how to get financial aid. So I had to uh, put my best foot forward and try to get, you know, help on my own. Well, my dad just ended schooling in kindergarten and he didn't know how to write. Um, and he still has trouble with that. My mom, um, 
she stopped going to school when she was in third grade. So obviously with the low education that they had, it was intimidating for them to try to teach me something that they didn't know. Guerrero is a senior studying nursing. He moved to Sioux City with his family from Mexico when he was five. African-American students also face access gaps related to being first-generation students and being thrown into a culture very different from how they grew up. Black students have an access gap mm-hmm. for whatever reasons, for cultural reasons, for literal resource reasons, for you know the fact that um, we a lot of us are coming from families that don't have much knowledge about the system. That was Matthew Bruce, a senior in the African-American Studies program. Bruce said the access gap, along with the culture shock of walking onto a campus where you look different, leads many students to drop out. You, if you think about it, kids will come here a lot of times from not having anyone in their family that's ever gone to college. They have all of that pressure on them, all of those expectations. They come in, they find that it's a lot of money, it's hard to find the money. They weren't prepared for it in school. The teachers don't relate to them. Their classrooms look nothing like them. They can't. It's few and far between of anybody that can relate to them on campus. And all of that stuff just creates like an actual life crisis and they crash. Like it changes their, the trajectory of their life and they leave. The university's Nadine Petty. Um, many of our minority students come from the Chicago area or they come from bigger cities where there's more diversity. Mm-hmm. They're just used to kind of seeing all different kinds of people. And so sometimes stepping onto the campus in and of itself is just a culture shock. And it's just like, whoa, like where, where, where are all the black and brown and yellow? And so that can be hard in and of itself. So you have on top of all that the transition, just transitioning into mm-hmm. college for any student is complicated. And then you throw on a culture shock that's a kind of a racialized culture shock. And then you throw on the challenges or sometimes the microaggressions, microaggressions, microaggressions mm-hmm. that they're facing and then you throw on, I mean, it's just this kind of compilated. You, there's a, a kind of, in my opinion, a culture of assimilation for sure. Like to be mm-hmm. a Hawkeye looks like this. It sounds mm-hmm. like this. We eat this, we do this. And it, there's really no like, even there's not even a, a, a dialogue on like, should we, should we allow students to wear what they want in these pictures. Just like even stuff like, you know, having your hair freshly groomed. Cause I mean, I wear dreadlocks. I Will they know, call you out on that? Uh, it depends on who it is. It's weird for me to think about it as like to explain it cause it's so pervasive. It's such a, like a white space. We want to tell you a little more about the Hetchinger Report. It's a nonprofit independent news organization at Teachers College, Columbia University in New York, that investigates education issues with an eye toward finding solutions to those issues. Iowa Watch received the diversity data as the Hetchinger Report's exclusive Iowa Media Partner and chose to focus on data related to the University of Iowa. In that news partnership, Iowa Watch gains access to Hetchinger Report research and data for stories that matter in Iowa. Iowa Watch has sole control over the stories it writes or chooses not to write in this partnership. Similarly, the Hetchinger Report has control over its news reporting and presentation. Iowa Watch Executive Director and Editor Lyle Muller spoke with reporters Lauren Wade and Maria Curie about the reporting they did in Iowa on this story. Lauren, what do you think were some of the big points that came out of this story? I think it was interesting getting to talk to the students. A lot of the issues that we covered aren't discussed a lot because I feel like they don't think they have safe spots. And I really enjoyed getting their intake on it. 
Maria, you and Lauren went to a couple of meetings with minority students. Tell us a little bit how that went. Well, the first place we went was the Alnac House, which is where Latinos and Native Americans meet. And that was actually really interesting um, because everyone was opening up to each other and talking about all the nuances, even within the Latino community, um, discrimination or maybe insensitivities within their own population. Um, And it really opened my eyes as to just how complex some of these issues can be. It was really eye-opening for me. The report only focused on the University of Iowa. Can you explain why that was? The Hedginger Report, which published the data, only focused on flagship universities from each state. So the one they chose for Iowa was the University of Iowa. But yet the data still seems to be important, and the reporting you found was important, was it not, Maria? Yeah, it was important because I think relative to other universities um, around the country, we are um, relatively moving in the right direction. But when we got down to the nitty-gritty, to speaking to students on campus, we found that there's still a lot of more work to be done. Do you think that some people would say, as they look at this report, that, well, if the University of Iowa is doing fine, then what's the issue? Yeah, I think that sometimes issues like this, when you look at them as numbers on paper, you can miss some of the the daily happenings that are still uh, big issues for students on this campus. So that's why I think uh, reporting on their voices was important and uh, crucial to adding to this this data. Lauren, what do you hope people take from this story? I think, I mean, everybody's story is different no matter what your background is. And it really benefits society to stop and to listen to other people's stories and to acknowledge some of their challenges that they're facing and look for ways that you can try to make that easier? Well, I think that this story is beneficial because it's informative. I think that it's not something that you will see um, on your own. You need to speak with these people and you need someone to kind of be there as a middleman so that you can understand some of the issues that they're going through. How receptive were the students when you went and spoke with them? What was their demeanor when they were being interviewed by you? They were really excited to talk. I think a lot of them really appreciated that people were taking the time to ask the questions. And it was really great getting to work with them. They were very intelligent, very active members of the University of Iowa campus. When you say that, do you get a sense that they felt like they hadn't had a chance to say this or they just weren't being heard? Surely people at the university have heard these types of concerns from them before. On some level, yes. But I think, too, a couple of them made the point that you know, you take three steps forward, two steps back all the time. So if you're always pushing forward and always getting another another opportunity to share your story or to, like, communicate what the issues are, then it's there's more of a chance that someone's going to hear. When we come back, more about solutions to the situation we've been discussing. That's next as the Iowa Watch Connection continues. Support for the Iowa Watch Connection comes from the Iowa Insurance Division's Iowa Fraud Fighters Program. This statewide initiative educates Iowans on how to double check before they invest and shield their savings from scammers. Thousands of Iowans have attended fraud fighter forums across the state to learn about new scams circulating in their area and how to stay a step ahead of fraudsters. Learn how to fight fraud and why it is important to report scams at iowafraudfighters.gov. 
The Iowa Watch Connection radio program is part of a statewide audience engagement project organized by the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, an independent, nonprofit, nonpartisan news organization. The center is dedicated to producing high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism in Iowa, while also training journalism students to do this work at a high ethical level. The center is found online at iowawatch.org. Welcome back to the Iowa Watch Connection. I'm Jeff Stein. You've heard about problems African-American and Latino students say they face attending the University of Iowa. But solutions are being tried, too. The University of Iowa has various programs, notably one called Iowa Edge, which delivers programs to plug minority students into the predominantly Caucasian Iowa campus. You'll hear about others in the conclusion of our report from Iowa Watch's Lauren Wade and Maria Curie. Lauren starts this portion of our report. Despite the challenges facing minority students at the University of Iowa's campus, Students and faculty Iowa Watch spoke with suggested several solutions. Students like Matthew Bruce said hiring a more diverse staff would be a big step in the right direction. The other thing that the university could be doing and should be doing is in general hiring more black faculty and staff. And that's a big problem is that the, you know all these people that are drawing up the policy, drawing up the programs and events, creating the spaces for students to exist in is being done by people who aren't black. So, you know, we can't really expect a lot of this stuff to happen without, you know, black bodies and black minds working on it. Cultural and resource centers on campus provide a gathering space for minority students to connect with people they share an identity with. Jesus Payan is the program coordinator for the Latino and Native American Cultural Center. The centers recently were remodeled and this is the first year each center has had its own coordinator on staff. Um, it's a space where you can also challenge yourself mentally um, and that's up to your decision, like up to your consent, um, how much you want to challenge yourself. And in which other spaces in campus, that consent may not be, um, you kind of don't have to, uh, you don't have that consent to challenge yourself or to decide what kind of identities you want to represent because of the, the, some of the, the demographics outside of this centers. And when necessary, students form a community for themselves. Aspen Johnson, a senior studying political science, helped organize Young, Gifted, and Black, a living learning community in Slater Hall. What Young, Gifted, and Black was supposed to do was it was supposed to provide a space for Black students to, A, have a place to come home and just, you know, relax and be around mm -hmm. something familiar, but B, a place for Black organizations and institutions to on campus to come and promo things or you know talk to students it's supposed to be just a not a mecca necessarily but definitely a, a place a communal area that was supposed to facilitate not just unity or you know the cliche stuff like that black power nothing like that but certainly comfort and um, familiarity and just information mm -hmm. on the most basic levels students such as miguel torres who spent his childhood going back and forth from chicago to mexico find help acclimating to the culture and lifestyle of Iowa City through university-offered resources and student organizations. So maybe the learning curve, is it fair to say, was a little steeper for you mm -hmm. coming here? Mm -hmm. When you were just freshmen, what did you wish you would have had? Or was, were all these programs and offices just very plain and obvious and just waiting for you to use? Um, mm -hmm. At least for me, when I came in, it was with Iowa Edge. They did a really good job to like get me in, in, into resources because they brought me in 
uh, like the first day of moving in, in into like college, it was a Sunday. You came in and the entire week of like moving in, you had like all day activities that would take you to like every research center. Mm-hmm. They're like so like it, they were just fabulous because they like took you to like everything you can think about campus tours, buildings. Um, it was great. Like campuses, we took the campus to like to like the hot kind of to like see how the campus was and. It did a really amazing job. Many of the students we talked to use IOADGE. Others said the Center for Diversity and Enrichment has provided help. And many use the cultural centers and participate in organizations for multicultural students such as ALMA or the Association for Latinos Moving Ahead. But Bruce points out these resources are largely available because of the students. But I want to, I mean, I want to challenge that a little bit because they are right. But I want to challenge that a little bit like ALMA is a student organization. That's not something the university is doing. That's something that Latino that students doing are themselves. coming in being like, hey, we don't do this, we're not going to survive. Mm-hmm. This resource center, even in itself, was, I mean, people don't understand that it was black students that fought for and created this house during the 60s, during the civil rights movement. They said they, they had to organize against the university to get themselves a cultural center place where they would be safe on campus. So a lot of times, one of the big problems is that it's mostly black students looking out for themselves. It's mostly brown students looking out for themselves. Iowa Edge itself is even, um, most of the, most if not all of the people that work for Iowa Edge are students, the peer leaders, the peer mentors, all of that stuff. That's all students that are running that program. So a lot of what the university is doing is, is is using students to fix a problem rather than, you know, dedicating, truly dedicating resources to that. Iowa Watch reporters Lauren Wade and Maria Curie jointly reported on the topic in a series of reports you can find at iowawatch.org. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can connect with us online, iowawatch.org. Click on the Iowa Watch Connection tab at the top of the page to listen to all or part of this program again, or a list of stations that carry the program, and more. It's online at iowawatch.org. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll make the Iowa Watch Connection again next week. The Iowa Watch Connection is a copyrighted presentation of the Iowa Center for Public Affairs Journalism, which is solely responsible for its content. For more information about the center, including how you can contribute so high-quality investigative and community affairs journalism and student training can continue, go online, iowawatch.org.